I'm going to just start off with a quick introduction, and then I'm going to have Akima introduce herself and tell us about her story. My name is Erica Jordan Thomas, and I'm so excited to be in community with you all. My journey as an educator started as a high school math teacher. I went on to become an instructional coach, then an assistant principal, and then the role that I absolutely loved the most, which was being a middle school principal. And then three years ago, I left the principalship, which was the absolute hardest thing that I have, one of the hardest things I have had to do personally and professionally to go back to school um, to get my doctorate in education leadership. And so now I live right outside of Boston. I'm wrapping up my final year as a doctoral student just to find it three days ago. And so <laughs> it is the journey is wrapping up. And so one of the things I'm passionate about is supporting other educators and launching their own consulting businesses. I launched my consulting business over three years ago, have grown it to expand my impact as well as grown it to over a six-figure business. And so I'm really excited to be able to support other educators and being able to expand their impact and build their wealth while they do it, to be paid what they deserve and to be able to to spend more time in the things that give them energy and bring them joy while they're leading from their values and impacting community. And so I'm excited for you all to learn about Akima's story tonight, which is a juicy one. And so Akima, walk us through, let's let's first just start with with your your movie trailer. Tell us, you know, if your your life was made into a movie, walk, tell us what that education or what that movie trailer would look like. What were, were some of the key, key moments in your story? All right. Well, first of all, congrats, Dr. JT. Congrats. I'm super duper proud of you. And thank you for this opportunity to just be in community with you. I, I, I appreciate it. There probably is no other person that I would do this for. So <laughs> just wanted to name that. Like you mm-hmm. are really putting, stretching me and pushing me out of my comfort zone. Just mm-hmm. want to name that. Mm-hmm. But I am Okima Simpson. I am the CEO and founder of Okima Simpson Consulting. I am a year 23 in education. And my journey started, honestly, JT, in a bedroom that I shared with my sister in our parents' home back in Oxford, North Carolina. So I remember as far back as like, I I don't know how young I was, but playing school. My my stuffed animals were my students. I always knew that I would be a teacher. I always say that teaching chose me. I didn't choose it. I knew that this was something that would be my life's work. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to college at NC State University where I majored in middle grades, social studies and language arts. Upon graduating, I accepted a, a position as a sixth grade ELA teacher here in Charlotte. And I spent 18 years in the classroom, 18 years loving on the babies, teaching the babies, stretching the babies, motivating the babies as a classroom teacher. And in 2016, I was afforded the opportunity to step outside of the classroom and take on a leadership position 
at a school that I, I, I think you're quite familiar <laughs> with. And so for those of you who don't know, uh, Dr. JT hired me as a multi-classroom leader, which is a unique role in which it allowed me to stay connected to the classroom, but still impact or extend my impact by coaching and developing a team of teachers. And so had the amazing opportunity to learn and grow under your leadership and spent three years in that role and then transitioned into a more traditional type of instructional coach coach role within North Carolina New Teacher Support Program where I supported and developed um, teachers, mainly who were in their beginning years of the profession. Mm. And now I work for a consulting firm where I support schools and districts in implementing a, a very unique and innovative staffing initiative. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. It, it brings me so much joy to hear about your journey because... I mean, even the way you just described the fact that this work is your calling and like mm-hmm. it's your purpose. And so mm-hmm. like that's what gets me so excited about the fact that you have your own consulting business because to have someone like you who is so purpose-driven, mission-driven, driven by their values, centering community and mm-hmm. each and everything that you do for you to be the one who is is proximate to decision-making power with school districts Mm. and with education organizations, like that's so good for kids. And Mm. um, so it just, it just, it just gives me so much joy, even in hearing your movie trailer, even though, and some of the things you named are are new for me. I was like, I didn't know you was a social studies major. Okay. That's interesting. And that makes so much sense. It makes so (laughs) much sense given some Mm -hmm. of the way he was interdisciplinary in ELA. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so that makes so much sense. So, mm-hmm. okay. So, so let's start with like, let's start at the very beginning of your consulting journey, because clearly you have so much rich experience, so much rich experience. What made, like, what, what brought about that first thought of like, huh, consulting, maybe I should consider that or think about that. Like, what what led you to considering that as a possibility? Yeah. Um, so I, I think, you know, JT, when I, consulting was a thought that I entertained a lot during my years as, as an educator. And so, you know, you always, I know for me, I thought about like my next step. So when I left the classroom, what was I going to do? And consulting was something that I entertained and thought that I would be good at. There were opportunities that I had to do consultant-like work in some of the, the positions that I held, like for side hustles. And quite honestly, JT, I was good at what I did. And mm-hmm. I got quite like great feedback from participants and the professional development that I provided for for them. <clears throat> and so as a result, I chose to take your course and to decide like, you know, is this something that I really, really, truly wanted to do? And how can I go about making that happen for me? 
So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, that's so interesting. And I also think that one of the, the interesting nuances too about your journey is like you have your own consulting business and you consult with an organization in your full-time role. And so like mm-hmm. even just the way that you have pivoted in that way into consulting is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so let's, let's talk about your business. So let's, let's first start with what's the problem that you are solving in your business and how did you land on that problem? Yeah. So I I clearly remember part of your course, one of the assignments was we had to script our problem statement. And at that time, I, I did not have clarity around the problem that I wanted the services that my the services that, that I would offer was solved. I wasn't clear around that at all. One of the things that you had us do was to like pull our receipts. And I don't know exactly like the, the verbiage that you use, but it was basically around write down all the things that you've accomplished, all of your successes, all of your accomplishments, all of your achievements. And by doing that, so I thought about, like at that time, I had 22 years of experience. Mm. So I reflected on 22 years of experience and just wrote down all the things that I was able to do and do well during that time. And that process really helped me to identify the problem that I, uh, my business would solve. I realized Mm. that I had some successes in areas that were pain points for a lot of educators out there. And so it was not until I was able to see all my successes that I realized that, hey, I have uh, solutions to some of the problems that educators are facing. And I'm going to think about how I can create some type of service or provide some type of service for educators to help alleviate and solve those problems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, so you have over 20 years of experience and I can mm-hmm. say this because, because I know you and I know your work and you mentioned this, of you know how to solve a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you, you are masterful at so many things, so many things. Y'all, when I tell you that I would struggle to name someone who can build the type of community culture and relationships amongst kids and adults like Akima can. Like it is one of her superpowers, the way that Mm -hmm. she just like, I mean, it's almost like a a people whisperer where like, (laughs) (laughs) like the way you can just like tune into another person and another being and create a sense of home for them. Like mm-hmm. that is one of your superpowers, but in a, in, but, and that's not even talking about your content expertise because mm-hmm. you know, ELA, like you mm-hmm. live and breathe the content. Like that is stuff you can do in your sleep. So I just named that as like, those are two of like the many things that like are your superpowers. And so when you're looking at all of your receipts and you had that moment, like how did you pick the place to start? Because there's there's a lot of things that that you do not just well like that like are your area of expertise you are an expert and i think that's one of the things a lot of educators struggle with is because 
they are, we're required to be a master of many things Mm -hmm. that it's like, all right, well, where, where do I start? So how do you go about finding that starting place? Yeah. So I think I, in, in my role as a new teacher support coach, I realized that there, I recognized a gap in, in, in my role while, while I was working as a new teacher support coach. And that gap is around, was around teacher development. And so I realized that the, because in that role, I supported mainly teachers who were fresh out of college. Um, entering the profession or fresh out of a non-traditional teacher prep program entering the profession. And I realized that they, you know, entered the profession not fully prepared to do the work of an educator. Mm. And although they had leaders in the building to support them, to provide them professional development, it wasn't enough for Mm. them. And so you and I know that the research says that like, you know, teachers within the first five years of teaching, they're they're leaving and they're Mm -hmm. leaving because they don't have the support. They are not privy to the the sustained quality professional development that they need Mm -hmm. in order to keep and retain them in, in the profession. So I realized in that role that that was a gap and that these teachers, these beginning new teachers were needing that support and they were, you know, craving that support and that professional development. You know, when we fall short on providing the, the type of support that our novice teachers provide, they lead the profession mm. and they are being replaced with new teachers, mm-hmm. most likely being replaced mm-hmm. with new mm-hmm. teachers. The teachers that are lead are being replaced with new teachers who are entering the same type of conditions, mm-hmm. who are faced with the same type of challenges. And so we're left with this vicious cycle of of people entering and leaving the profession on a constant mm-hmm. basis. And who is suffering the most from that? Our kids. Mm-hmm. That part. Our kids. Yeah, our mm-hmm. kids are are suffering. So I, you know, I love this work so much. Like I love it so very much. And I'm so student driven. And when I realized that this problem of, you know, ineffective professional development ultimately is impacting our students, I knew then that that is the area that I wanted to focus my my business around. And that is the problem that I wanted to solve because we have to do something about this cycle and stop it so that we can keep teachers in in the building. Mm. Yeah. So, so, okay. So you've, you've defined this problem now, which is like huge. Cause that's for, you know, uh, you know, that folks in, in cycle one of the program. So Akima did cycle one of get launch consulting. And I think that's when someone coined the term of, you know, developing the problem statement and description for your business as a crock pot cast, because mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like you had to like, let it simmer for a bit because of how much deep reflection that it takes in order to arrive at, at that clarity. Right. So you, you've, uh, you have this level of clarity now. And so from there, how did you start to think about your services? And I know you've experimented a little bit with your services. <laughs> so, so tell us about that. Like, how did you experiment and with what services did you experiment with? 
Yeah. So I experimented a lot, JT. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I woke up one day with the idea to host a virtual paint party for beginning teachers. And, you know, I I wanted to provide them with the space. And beginning teachers meaning I meant those who were entering the profession for the very first year. And I wanted to create a a space for them where they can share their hopes and their fears and their excitements and their concerns about embarking on the educational career in the middle of a pandemic. So I reached out to a a former colleague who is an art educator and told her my vision where I wanted her to create a, a, a piece that will help us to engage and embark in some meaningful conversation around some topics that were like top of mind as a result of like the the reality that we were currently living in. And so, you know, a couple of months later, we hosted our virtual paint party. I had the vision of having 10 educators there. This is a free thing I, I offered for them. Mm-hmm. I had a, a vision of having 10 teachers um, participate, ended up having only two. But the time that we had, we shared together the, the, the um, conversations that we had around that art piece that the art educator designed was super, super powerful. My goal was accomplished. I wanted to create a, a community in which they could share their hopes, their dreams, their fears, their excitement, and also leave feeling inspired and motivated and, you know, feeling as yeah. if they can do this hard work, even in the yeah. midst of all the challenges that they will face. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. Mm. <clears throat> so, so there are a couple things within that that are fascinating. So first, I, <laughs> it makes me giggle the way you started, like, so I woke up one day and decided to do this virtual paint party with teachers. Yeah, it was. It, <laughs> yeah, JT. I mean, I say this, I, I like literally the ideas just drop into like drop into my spirit. Yeah. And, and I, I do remember recall like texting you and telling you that like I have this idea. Like, so this idea just dropped in my into my spirit, and like this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. So yeah. 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 Well, and you know what's 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 so beautiful about that is because, you know, I know that you're a very creative person. So like in addition to all of your your educator specific gifts and talents, I know that who you are as a person is very creative and one of the like one of the vivid memories that comes to mind for me is walking down the sixth grade hallway and seeing everybody with Wakanda shirts on. And like, I was like, what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, this is amazing. And like, yes. knowing you were the mastermind behind like these beautiful, like just inspirational, like self-affirming, you know, shirts that like all of the scholars were wearing. Um, but I <laughs> give that as an example of like, when you say I woke up and had this idea of a virtual paint party of like how, how much of that was you operating within your zone of genius of like, Mm -hmm. like that is like the perfect intersection of all the different gifts and talents that you have. So even Mm -hmm. though, as you say it, 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 
it feels divine. That's like, that's what it is. Like it is, Mm -hmm. it is, is you operating at the Mm. center of all of your strengths. And then what's even more beautiful about that is you gave yourself the permission to move forward with that of like, like, because I think that's another part of, you know, some of the mindset, which we're going to get to and talk about Mm -hmm. of like, because you could have had that idea and talked yourself out of it and been like, hey, who does that? Like, that's great. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I've never done that before. You didn't mm-hmm. do that. You gave yeah. yourself the permission to go after that. And then the second thing that you said that I think was really beautiful and fascinating, too, is the way you talked about the outcomes you were focused on with that first virtual paint party wasn't just quantitative in terms of how many people you wanted to connect with, but the qualitative goals of what type of experience did you want to create? And I think that's really important for entrepreneurs to be able to understand is yes, numeric goals in your business matter. And they're, they're, Mm -hmm. they're important of like your revenue, how many people you work with, number of contracts, Mm -hmm. whatever, whatever. But if that is the only goal that you have, you will miss the, your impact. You will miss the, your lessons learned. If you're so focused on, oh, because I didn't hit this number, then like you, you all of a sudden you think that like you failed when it's like, no, like look at all the other things that can't be measured in that number that mm. you created or all the things that you, you can learn and, and lessons you can extract from this that are outside of the number. And so I just wanted to pull that out of what you said of like, yes, this was my goal this is what happened. And here are all the things that like made this like really beautiful and amazing. So, so talk to us a little bit of like, so tell us a little bit more about your experimenting because you said that was the first of your virtual paint parties. Mm -hmm. And so, so where did you go from there? Did you continue? And I know I'm asking a question. I know the answer to, but they don't know the answer to. <laughs> so like, did you, did you continue with this? And were there other things that you were doing? Like, how did this evolve? What direction did you go? Yeah. So because of the success of that event, I, I did continue. And I created uh, other virtual paint party experiences around the same goal. And so... The, the very next one that we did was right after RBJ's passing. And although that event was open to everyone, the majority of the, the participants who participated were educators. That event was such a great hit that we offered a second event. Where, and when you say it was a hit, how did you know it was a hit? Well, you know, all the feedback that I got, like the feedback that we we received, the the conversation that we had during the virtual paint party, the Facebook posts that was like raving about the experience and and all that, you know, how they were inspired and motivated to to like, you know, do great things as a result of the conversations that we had. So yeah, that's how we knew that it was uh, a, a success, and um, we continued. I continued with other types of virtual paint parties all around the same goal, creating a space where people can engage in meaningful conversation, leaving inspired, encouraged, and motivated. Mm-hmm. So did some birthday parties for educator friends 
hosted a couple of events that were catered to kids. So we did like the gingerbread home. Mm. One, uh, my VP looks like me was one that was a great mm. hit. And then one that like really all of them brought me so much joy, but the one that like I, I guess, you know, I rave about to this day is the vision board uh, workshop and virtual paint party. And so I took that one to uh, uh, another level. Mm -hmm. And that one consisted of a half day experience for the participants where the first part of their their day, they engaged in um, a workshop, one of them led by you. And uh, the ha- second half was the virtual paint party where we put together our vision board. Mm-hmm. And then another added component to that particular event was the course that I created to prepare the participants for the creation of their virtual paint party. Mm-hmm. And that, JT, that process brought me so much joy. And that was when I knew. And- and creating that course really feels right. And I knew mm-hmm. then that moving forward, that I would incorporate some type of course content in any type of professional development experience that I provide um, mm-hmm. for clients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is so good. This is so good because it dispels this myth that you have to be uber clear, have everything figured out when you start. Like, I love, I love this, your story of evolution, because here's, here's what I see a lot of people do. And, you know, I will push people and speak truth out of love because, you know, I want people to, to live their best version of themselves and be able to have exactly what they they want for themselves, whatever that thing may be. And I, I, I've, I've worked with enough, I've had 117 people in six cycles of the program that I've worked with enough educators and helping them launch their consulting business that I know the tricks we try, we, we can't see, but we do to get in our way of avoiding the thing that we want to do or avoiding the work, (laughs) avoiding the unknown. I've seen the patterns. I know what we do. And one of the things that we do is we tell ourselves, we create this imaginary checklist of I have to do these things first. I have to have these things figured out before I can even start. And a lot of people, where I see this happen most frequently is people who have a vision of an online course where Mm. like, they want to do all of these things with the online course and build it all out first before they can even start. And I'm like, yo, what can you do in 30 days to bring in revenue? I'm not telling you you shouldn't do an online course. If that's what your heart desires, absolutely go for it. But lifting an online course is going to take time and yeah. resources that that in the beginning of your business, it will actually be, you will be losing money by investing in that way. So another approach to take is what service can you offer in the interim that is going to allow you to bring in revenue simultaneously while you're building content for that online course. And so the example that you just gave of like, you started with these virtual paint parties 
And then the way that you evolved the virtual paint party, it actually moved you into this new passion of a, a service model of an mm-hmm. online course, online module that now you're layering into your PD services. And so I just wanting to pull that out for people of like, that's how entrepreneurship works. You just got to start somewhere. You just got to pick a place. You just got to do it. And then things will grow and evolve as you're getting more clarity, as you get data back, as you, you know, you have the experience and to hear you say like, this thing was, was really great. Cause actually, so tell us like, what made you, cause the virtual paint parties were popping, <laughs> like they yeah. were popping. What made you like, like add on this, this, this online portion or the course mm, portion? I guess because I wanted the, you know, I wanted the experience of creating the vision board to be very meaningful and purposeful for them. I just did not want them to stick pictures on their board without being intentional with, you know, why that, that particular picture is on there, what their vision is for their upcoming year. I wanted it to be meaningful. And in order for that to happen, I felt that I needed to preface it with some content. Mm-hmm. And the easiest way for me to do that was to just create this course. And yeah, so that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so tell us whether it's with your virtual paint parties or with its, if it's with other engagements, how do you find your clients? Like what, what um, strategies do you use? So honestly, JT, it's been, it's been Facebook. I've posted my virtual paint parties with, you know, on, on Facebook. And because of the success that I've had with those events, I've gotten more clients. And then I've also had a couple of engagements with local colleges. Mm-hmm. where I provided some professional development for in-service teachers or student teachers. And I got that gig because of a family member. So a family member, you know, just knew, uh, uh, obviously knew what I did and and recommended me to the right person to get me that gig. So, it, you know, it was the, the people that know of me and know my mm-hmm. work that allowed me to, to get, you know, clients. Mm, mm. Two things you said is when you do (laughs) good work, people, people will come when you do good work. Mm -hmm. People will come back when you do Mm -hmm. good work. Absolutely. And then there are people right now, before you get a website, before you start tweeting, there are people who already know your receipts and your juice. And the mm-hmm. moment you just like say, oh, this is what I do. They're like, oh, wait, wait a minute. How I sign up? Like, what, what, what mm-hmm. do I got to do? Like, how do I work with you? And so I, I say this all the time that you already know your first client. You just don't know it yet. And mm-hmm. so you, you're, what you just said just underscores that of, of that there are people sitting in your network who would jump at the opportunity to work with you, but you have to be communicating about your business. And so was Mm -hmm. that, was sharing your business and talking about your business, was, was that a comfortable experience for you or did like, was that? (laughs) No, no, not at all. 
some people will be some people are probably like okima you you have a a what like you because i haven't done a, a full like official launch or anything like that so yeah that that was something that would that you know is not comfortable for me at, at all mm. <laughs> at all mm. yeah so yeah. how did you how did you navigate that because you be posting about the, the vision like you you post about the pain parties <laughs> like you, so how how did you how did you move past that how did you navigate it and even even you know what i know of your conversations that you've had with these higher ed institutions Mm-hmm. And you, you putting yourself out there in those ways, like how did you move past what I call like the visibility mind trash of putting yourself out there, of taking up space and talking about your business? So I think, you know, after hearing and and seeing the the set the success of the virtual paint party events, that just gave me the confidence and the boost that I needed mm-hmm. to to keep it going. Although, you know, JT, I knew that what I was providing was quality stuff. Like, I don't, you know me, I don't Mm -hmm. put things out that isn't quality. So I knew knew that what I was providing was confident, was quality stuff. But even in that, there's still like, there's this theme, uh, these thoughts that creep up that, that, Make you hesitate in, 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 you know, sharing with the world what you have to offer. But because of the, the feedback that I receive and the success that I had with these virtual paint parties, it was what I needed was the boost that I needed to, to keep it going. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Cause like for that, the, the hardest step is the first step. It is. And so at some point you just gotta like, like there will be a point where you just gotta do it scared. Like you just, mm-hmm. you just got, you do it in spite of the fear. And actually it's the fear that it's, it's the fear that is evidence that you are approaching a new level. Mm. Like that's, that's, that's the, the, that's usually the pattern of right before you're getting ready to do something new and bigger. Mm. It's natural to have a sense of fear. And so mm-hmm. like the more we can reframe that of like, all right, this is evidence. I'm, I'm about to level up. Like, mm-hmm. like this, is, this is what's coming. And so mm-hmm. if I could just push through this and I'm going to just, I'm going to just, you know, do it, even though I am scared AF, I'm going to do it. And then once you get on the other side of it, it's like, oh, like, okay. It wasn't as bad as I that thought. Was not bad. That was right. not bad. Which means that you're gonna be going live on IG next week, and so because <laughs> it's, <laughs> so, it's not that bad. It's not right. that bad. I just want to highlight. Someone said in the comments that your vision board paint party took on a different meaning for them, and they said going beyond just putting up pictures, identifying what experience I want to achieve. Oh, wow. um, and some someone was just singing your praises and just showing you some love. Oh. on that that front. So so talk to us a little bit about what mindsets and we start we're already starting to talk about that but mm-hmm. what if you had to name like one or two other mindsets that you've seen come up in your journey that you've had to navigate or you still might be navigating what would those be? Yeah, I'm definitely still navigating these. One of them is around money and 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 charging Ooh, talk what about. 
speak. Yeah. And charging what I am worth. Yeah. And so part of your course, I loved everything about it. But I think the part that really resonated with me the most was and was very eye-opening for me was how the mindset that I had around money and how it was shaped and influenced by my upbringing and what yeah. I saw my my father do and what he did and didn't talk about around money. And so I remember one of our tasks was to share with you our hourly rate. Mm-hmm. And I did it. And you text me and you said, okay, I'm not going to let you char- charge that. Like mm-hmm. your exact words were, you are a legend and I am mm-hmm. not going to let you charge that. And so I struggled with charging charging my worth. And I realized with, you know, in reflection that it was a result of my personality. I am one who gives and gives and gives some more. And so I'm a giver and not necessarily, you know, looking to receive anything. And and, and my father, so my father was one who provided services for others. He is a jack of all trades. Mm. So he can do any and everything. Mm. And people know that. And so they mm. come to him for all types of services. And from as early as I can remember, I remember like my dad when hearing my the the his friends or whoever ask him, How much do I owe you? And he said, Oh, just give me blah, 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 which was significantly Mm. less than what he was worth. And so that's what I, I grew up hearing. That's what I grew up seeing. And so I struggled with charging this amount that was really truly reflected of what I was worth. But because of the experiences, my childhood experiences, that what I see, I saw my father do and hurt him um, say it was just hard for me to wrap my mind around charging that price. Mm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank you for sharing just the historical part of your story because I think mm-hmm. that's so important. Because, you know, for when it comes to money and ch- charging as an education consultant, there are many forces at play. Mm-hmm. There, there is the force at play that of education because our profession is so undervalued, and 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 evidence of that is is the average teacher pay, and in many mm-hmm. states the average principal pay. It is it is society has undervalued the education profession in terms of the way in which we pay educators. Mm-hmm. And so there's that force at play of how we're conditioned to think about our work because my first year of teaching, my salary was thirty three thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And so like like that is is a, a mental model that I'm carrying with me. And if I compare everything to that mental model, then I will always always Uh, undercharging. So there's that force at play for those of us from marginalized communities that have historically been oppressed in this country. There's the force at play of of internalized oppression of how Mm. much we're worthy of what we deserve. If uh, myself as a black woman, there have been many things that I have had to unpack 
and I've had to to exhale related to, you know, Black women, we are, regardless of the sector, we are underpaid. We are, there, right. the, the gender gap, uh, pay gap exists. It's real. And so just the internalized oppression of we as whatever your the ism is, whether it's along lines of race, along lines of gender, that, that that's real too. That's another force at play. And then this third force at play that you named is just like, our, our family of origin story of like our, our historical relationship with money, of the, the relationship with money that we grew up with, we still hold those values and beliefs. And that doesn't mm. mean that they're bad. It's not a, we, we don't, we shouldn't place a value judgment of this is good or bad, but it's recognizing when that value, that belief, or that what you're holding actually won't serve you in your business. And so uh, essentially what I heard you say is your dad was a servant leader. Like mm-hmm. he, the, he leading with like, like, like being able to serve people. And that is such an admirable quality. Like that is important. That, that is, that is not something that we should devalue. And having that approach in your business, you're going to lose money. Yeah. And so I really appreciate you naming just that historical relationship with money because that's a huge part of entrepreneurship is knowing really clear of what were the values, what are the values that you hold around money? And 99% of the time, those values come up with the, the values you saw modeled for you as you grew up. So I just really appreciate you naming that. Yeah. All right, so I, I have um, about one or two other questions for folks that are listening. If you have any questions that you want us to answer, go ahead and drop those into the chat now. So that way we can make sure that we get to those. So Akima, what would, what would be advice that you would give to, to anyone who is super early on in their journey and they're either thinking about starting a consulting business or super early, what advice would you give? So I think I would say like just to 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 run your own race. Like your mm. consultant journey don't need to look like anyone else's. Mm-hmm. Like to this day I still don't have a website. I still, you know, haven't officially launched my business. I haven't done that. I have a very minimal number of people on my e- email list. I don't post on, you know, social media, social media regularly. Like I'm not like making myself visible on social media like I, I do have, but I do have an LLC. I do have a business bank account. So I am legit, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I take comfort in that because I know that my time will come and I'm yeah. trusting the process. I'm trusting the process. I think those who are new in the this consulting journey could look at others' journey and, and try to compare themselves yeah. to what they see others doing and all that though, you know, I, I just believe that you should take comfort and just run your own race. Your journey is your journey. You don't have to it doesn't have to look like others that you see out there. And another thing is like to just get clear on your core values. Um, mm. Oh, that's good. And, and and to make sure that the the services that you offer like align to those core values. A couple of mine are like influence, joy, and community. And so I know that when whatever I offer my clients, 
that those things will be embedded. Like joy will be embedded in the service that I provide for clients. I'm going to be intentional with creating this sense of community some type of way. And I am going to positively influence them one way or another. And so I would say to like, get super clear on what your core values are and to make sure that the service that you provide, those core values live and show up in, in that, in those services. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. That's really good. How can people get in contact with you? And then what, what services do you want people to know about that they should reach out to you about if they want to learn more? You know, I, I, I'm definitely in the lab, JT. I'm in the lab thinking through things. You know, I'm very intentional with, with things. And so the way in which you can keep in touch with me is by following me, Okima Simpson, EDU. In my profile, there's a link to a link tree where you can get on my email list. And so you can be like, you know, one of the first to know when I do drop some goodies. So right now I'm in the lab. Um, mm-hmm. I'm taking a step back and thinking through like my next steps and how yeah. to, to to push forward. So, but get on that email list so that you'll be the be one of the first to know when I do drop some goodies. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that. I love that so much. Akima, it gives me so much joy to share you with the world. And when I say, and when I say share you with the world, I mean, not just on this IG live, but to see you in action, to see you as to know your work, to see your work, to know that you have led a PLC of ELA educators to have the second highest growth within one of the largest school districts in this country, uh, to know how good, how good you are for kids. And knowing that been in spaces where I wish there were more of you um, mm. and to know that you're you're going after this, it, it truly brings me joy. It truly brings me yeah. joy because I know when you take up space, even though I know that's one of the things where you're like, oh my goodness, like I know it can feel uncomfortable, but I know yeah. when you take up space, tables shift. Mm mountains move and kids and communities <laughs> get better. And so yeah. I'm just, I'm just so grateful for you being in the lab and thinking through your business and going after your business, even though I know you're such a humble servant leader that you have to push through a lot of the visibility stuff, but know that at any moment, I'm always going to be like, do it, do it. Like, what, oh, like I know. let's get on the live. Let's get on mm-hmm. the live. Like, let's mm-hmm. go because I want you to take up all the space because our kids need you. So I just want to share and express that in all of that. I'm forever in your corner. If this conversation, my hope is that this conversation has increased your belief and your ability to be able to expand your impact through entrepreneurship, through education consulting. And if you're ready to go and you're fired up, but you're like, I have no idea what to do, please know that that is totally okay. Because three, over three years ago, I didn't know what to do. And Akima was at the same place. Many of us were at that place. And every education consultant started at that place. And so you are not alone. And so Akima, thank you. Folks are sharing some love in the chat, naming that your testimony is amazing and they can relate to your story and they look forward to your journey. And so I love you so much and just thank you for taking time. Love you too. All right, have a good night, friend. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right, bye. bye.